Hi. Welcome back to the KedCast. My name is Ethan, and today we're going to talk about pronouns. The pronoun is probably one of my favorite parts of speech. Uh, definitionally, it's the word that takes the place of a noun. Uh, important thing to know about pronouns is that uh, they're usually, they usually have an antecedent. For instance, if I say the book was bright red, it was on the top shelf. The pronoun it in that second sentence, it was on the top shelf, has an antecedent. The antecedent is the word book in the previous sentence. The antecedent is the word that the pronoun is taking the place of. In English, we could repeat nouns again. The book was bright red. The book was on the top shelf. However, pronouns allow us to shorten sentences while still retaining meaning. Another important thing to cover is the difference between the nominative case and the objective case, or the subject or object. So if you already know this, great. If you don't know this, these like next three sentences won't magically make you know it, but nouns generally function as either a subject or an object. Subject is the doer of the sentence. It's usually the first noun that appears, and it's what that sentence is about. In the sentence, Sally ate a cookie. Sally would be the subject of the sentence. And cookie would be uh, in, in the object of the sentence. So um, there are three kinds of objects. There are uh, indirect objects, direct objects, and objects of the preposition. So an example of a direct object would be Sally ate a cookie, where cookie is the direct object. An example of an indirect object would be Sally gave me a cookie, where me in that sentence is an indirect object. It's a noun functioning as an indirect object, where cookie is the direct object of that sentence. And then object of a preposition is at the object at the end of any prepositional phrase. So for instance, Sally gave the cookie to me. To me would be a prepositional phrase there where me is the object of the preposition. Additionally, something like, in the morning, I like to take walks. Morning there would be the object of the preposition to the prepositional phrase in the morning. Cool. So let's jump right in. So first we have personal pronouns. So again, any personal pronoun is going to have the nominative and objective case. So first you have the first person pronoun. So first person, uh, also, an additional thing is whenever you have pronouns, you usually have a single variant and a plural variant. So, for instance, the first person singular nominative is going to be I, but the first person plural nominative is going to be we. I go to the store, we like to bake cookies. But then you also have the objective case. So that's when something's an object uh, in some form. So the first person is going to be me for the singular objective case and then us for the plural objective case. Give the book to me, give the book to us. Yeah. Up next, we have second person personal pronouns. So, funny enough, nominally in the English language, the singular plural for both nominative and objective is the same word. It's the word you. So, you go to the store, I give the book to you. And that functions for singular and plural as well. So, for plural, if you refer to a group of people, you say you, referring to all of them, you need to do your homework. It's the same. However, in certain parts of the world, uh, the English-speaking world, you have variations where there are uh, second-person plural pronouns. For instance, in Pittsburgh, they have the term yins, which is why they're often called yinzers, uh, where you would say, like, yins, referring to a large group of people, yins need to do your homework. A corollary of this would be in many parts of the South, you have the word y'all. So for instance, y'all need to do your homework or I'm going to give y'all a lesson, stuff like that. That is an example of uh, the, the plural. However, another thing is that even though there is a distinction between singular and plural for yins and y'all, there is still no distinction between the nominative and objective case, which uh, the subject and object of the sentence, whenever that's going to be y'all, they function exactly the same. I give this to y'all, y'all need to get your act together. So that's interesting. Next, we have third person. So third person uh, 
in addition to being nominative and objective, singular plural, is also split up into male, female, genderless, singular, and then the plural. So for the plural, it's they as the nominative and then them as the objective. And then for male, it's he for the nominative. He likes to go to the store. And then him for the objective. And then for female, it's she for the nominative and her for the objective. And then for the singular genderless, it's it likes to go to the store and give it to give the pineapple to it. So it's it for both of those cases. In addition to the nominative and objective case for the personal pronouns, a thing that is often grouped with these is the concept of a possessive adjective and a possessive pronoun. So for instance, for I, um, I like to go to the store, give the cookie to me. Then you also have the possessive adjective. My car likes to be green. Uh, yeah, so that's the possessive adjective. And you also have the possessive pronoun. That is say, that car is mine. So for if you just list them as nominative, objective, possessive adjective, and possessive pronoun, you would have I, me, my, mine for the singular first person. For the plural, it would, it would be we, us, our, ours. And then for the second person, it would be your, 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 sorry, you, you, your, yours. And then for the plural, it would also be you, you, your, yours. But I wonder what it would be for um, the, if you use y'all, because it would be y'all, y'all, y'allses, and then y'allses again, which is interesting. But, or is it y'alls? No, the, the possessive adjective would be y'allses, but then the possessive pronoun would be y'alls. So, uh, for instance, that that project is y'alls. Y'allses? No, that project is y'alls. But y'allses pineapples need to be picked up. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I just discovered that live. Weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. And then for the third person, you have he, him, his, and then his again. But for she, it's she, her, her, hers. So there's like a, a dichotomy there where you, you go from the him to the his to the his, but then you stay the her to the her, but then you go to the hers. Like if that book is hers, that's her book. <clears throat> and then for it, it's the, the same structure of nominative objective. And then the possessive adjective possessive pronoun is it, it, it's, it's. And then for the, the, the plural case for the third person, it's they, them, their, theirs. The book is theirs. Their pineapples are purple. So yeah, that's it for personal pronouns. Uh, next we have demonstrative pronouns. So demonstrative pronouns, um, there's like, imagine a little Punnett square. The two axes are going to be near and far and singular and plural. So for near singular, you have this. For near plural, you have these. For far plural, you have those. And for far singular, you have that. So example of a demonstrative pronoun is that is a purple pineapple. Or uh, the, the cubes I wanted you to displace were those. Are those. Similarly to demonstrative pronouns are also demonstrative adjectives. It's the same set of words with the same set of characterizations, except instead of it being used at, to take place of a noun in a sentence, it's an adjective that's used to describe a noun or a pronoun. So for instance, if I said like, like these pencils are great for writing, 
that 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 would also work. That would also work is an example of a demonstrative pronoun. Okay. Um, yeah, that's demonstrative pronouns. This, that, these, those. You also have interrogative pronouns or interrogative pronouns. Yeah, I'll say interrogative. Like you have who, what, when, where, why, how. So who likes to eat cookies is an example of where who functions as an interrogative pronoun. Uh, what is going to be on the menu today? How is that the case? Why are you the way that you are? Stuff like that. Interrogative pronouns. Uh, up next, we have reflexive or intensive pronouns. They're the same set of words, but the, 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 those two functionings as a reflexive pronoun or as an intensive pronoun are different. So this is the categorization that is like myself, himself, yourself, themselves. Uh, yeah. So for reflexive pronouns... Actually, it makes more sense to start with intensive. Intensive is he himself likes to do the job or I myself think I'm quite qualified or you yourself need to get your work done. It's usually separated by commas following like the same, like if it's a first person pronoun, myself is going to also be first person. So you yourself, he himself, that's what an intensive pronoun is. It intensifies. And then reflexive pronoun is whenever you have that elsewhere in a sentence, almost certainly functioning as the object, I don't think you can really have reflexive pronouns functioning in the nominative case. That'd be really weird. Like, myself goes to the store. You much more see something like, I gave myself a nap. Or, they gave cookies to themselves. Man, lots of cookies this episode. Yeah. Intensive and reflexive pronouns. Up next, we have indefinite pronouns, which is, I've talked about this on the podcast before in like the homophone episode and stuff. I'm, I'm not going to get back into like the count now, mass noun thing. I'll mention it briefly. But an indefinite pronoun is a pronoun that doesn't refer to any specific person, amount, or thing in particular. So this is things like anything, everything, everyone, nobody, some, none, few, many, any, all, anybody, everybody, those kinds of pronouns. And whenever you have these, you have the ones that are always singular. So anyone, everyone, is everyone? No, but like anyone and any, those always function singularly. But then you have ones that always function plurally, like many or few. And then you have some of them that depending on context, and if you want to know what said context is, I think it's episodes one and episodes two, uh, have it in there somewhere of the KidCast. Talk about how an indefinite pronoun can function as either singular or plural. Basically, uh, the context is given so elsewhere in the sentence. So if I said, some of the goats like to eat cookies, there some would be plural because it's goats. But then if I said, some of the, sli some of the pizza got eaten already, that it'd be singular because that some is referring to a singular, like almost mass object or a singular whole unit that is being divided where that unit is a singular unit. So that would be something that is a singular usage of some. And the previous example being a plural usage of some to show how indefinite pronoun, there are some of them that function plurally as well as singularly, depending on context. So up next, we have relatively obscure group of pronoun. It's reciprocal pronouns. Like, so this would be 
those two love each other. Each other would be the reciprocal pronouns. It's like it's almost like a verb phrase, but functioning pronounly. Another one you have is one another. So don't talk to one another about the test results. One another there functions as kind of like a a a, 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 a unified unit of pronoun. If that makes sense. So another fun pronoun thing is dummy pronouns, often called expletive pronouns. They're pronouns that have no inherent meaning or reference. They're like placeholders in a sentence like fill grammatical requirements and there's like no antecedent. For instance, if you say it is raining, what is it referring to? Like the situation or like like there's no word that you could put there. Like the situation is right. Like, like, like there's no word you could put in the place of it to even make it like function. But I'm sure there is, but it's one of those things where that's the fact that that exists in the English language, it's called a dummy pronoun. So for instance, you say like, there are many books on the shelf. There, there isn't really do anything, but it does do something, but there's no like antecedent. It's functioning in this dummy way so that we have useful sentences. Um, I think that's me being done with like telling you specific kinds of pronouns. And now it's just my opinions on pronouns. So I have opinions on, so uh, here's like an actual English rule fact. It's where if you don't know, so he and she use for males and females, obviously. However, when do you use it? So you use it when you're referring to like a singular like idea or concept that's like abstract. You can also use it to refer to objects. You also use it to refer to animals for which you do not know the gender. So if there's an animal like a dog that you don't know the gender. The rule is, you refer to it as an it. However, whenever you have a human that you don't know the gender, you use he slash she. So, uh, or you can just say he or she. That's the most common usage. Uh, there's also this weird thing that people tend to do in the English language where whenever there's a baby and they don't know the gender of the baby, they'll use the word it. But babies are definitely human beings. So we should probably be using he or she. Another relatively recent development is the usage of they to be singular. That is to say, when I, when I say recent development, I mean, like, I say he or she, but I know a lot of people who, they either never learned that, or it's like, it's it's like the amount of people who use, like, people have always used they to refer to singular individuals, but the, like, proportion of the population that uses he or she versus a singular they is definitely skewing much more in favor of they, and this isn't even like a, oh, the pronoun LGBTQ they them thing. No, this is just like, how English has been Englishing for a while. People are moving a lot more away from the he or she, but you'll still, be, you'll still see people. I see this mostly in a lot of like people who learn English as a second language where they learn this as a rule and they're like, oh, this is a rule. I got to know this. Whereas if you aren't taught this in grade school or you don't grow up around people saying it and you never like formally learn this rule, a lot of Americans, especially that I know, don't really say he or she, but they is something that could definitely, people will use they to refer to human beings, individuals, like singular, without like like where, where someone else might say he or she, but they use that. Another very interesting thing is that whenever they do use they and them to refer to individuals, especially for those who you do not know the gender or like you refer to like, oh, the, if you make like a fake person in your brain, like, oh, the, the CEO of this company, they probably don't care about me. Like whenever you do something like that, you usually say they supposed to be like, oh, that CEO of that company, he or she probably doesn't care about me. But 
it's it's faster. But another thing, if you notice the way the sentences are constructed, is that even though they refers to a singular person, because they is like the third person plural pronoun, every single person who uses they to refer to a singular person conjugates it plurally. Nobody says whenever referring to one person, they goes to the store. They say they go to the store. But if you're referring to one person, it should be he goes to the store, the subject uh, verb agreement, especially with singular singularity and plurality especially with number. And that's something that's very interesting because I would probably, I think that it would make sense for us to move to a system where you could have a third person pronoun for like, that is not gender specific, but we should still make the distinction between singular and plural. So I don't know if that's some alternative pronoun. I think we can keep they and them, but then we can just, conjugate it singularly in every instance. So we say, they goes to the store. Um, like They likes to eat cookies. So that we know we're referring to one person as opposed to multiple. Though I don't really see the cases where that's going to be confused. Because most of the time, whenever we use speech, we're like, there's other words that we use around that. Like, rarely will someone say they to like, unless you're trying to like conceal someone's identity or something, you say they... Um, but also conceal identity in the terms of like never revealing whether or not like to use they intentionally ambiguously to shield that you were referring to multiple people as opposed to a singular or a singular person as opposed to multiple. That isn't really something that happens in the English language, but yeah, there you go. So another interesting thing that I, I learned as an adult. So most of this stuff I learned when I was in, sixth grade, but something that I learned very recently in like, um, I think my sophomore year of college was that, uh, so an a positive phrase is a phrase in English that's, um, it can be either restrictive or non-restrictive. It's usually non-restrictive set off by commas that's used to like further elaborate on a specific noun. So for instance, if I say, um, Darren comma, my brother comma likes to eat cookies my brother there would be the positive phrase that is describing Darren. So another example of this is the couch, comma, okay, never mind. I, I, I don't have a good example here, but you, you know what a, an a positive phrase is. Like the first president of the United States, comma, George Washington, comma, likes to eat cookies. That's an example. Actually, I might as well explain the difference between restrictive and non-restrictive positive phrases. Basically, the difference between non-restrictive and restrictive positive phrases is that if you if the sentence doesn't make sense without you specifying who it is, then you need the commas. So for instance, because I said Darren, comma, my brother, comma, that tells you that I must only have one brother. Because if I had two brothers, then that those commas would be that me. If I said my brother, comma, Darren, comma, uh, and then I took out uh, Darren, the sentence wouldn't make sense because you wouldn't know which brother I'm referring to. And also, uh, actually no, Darren, Darren, comma, my brother, comma, that probably would, that, that probably would also need to be there, but only because, oh, sorry, that would need to be there. So there wouldn't be commas because there are multiple people named Darren who aren't my brother. I think that's right. But yeah, basically for instance, um, if you say like Henry the eighth's wife, and then you put the name of the wife and there's no commas, then 
definitely tells you that Henry VIII, whoever this man is, has multiple wives. That's like a funny like quirk of the English language and with regards to a positive and non-restricted positive phrases. So if you say um, the president, comma, John F. Kennedy, comma, that would be gratuitous because at that time there was only one president, JF, J- John Kennedy. So that's something interesting. Okay, but here's the real kicker. Whenever you have uh, an example of, whenever you have an appositive phrase, sometimes in the appositive phrase, you will have a noun. And that noun might even be like a personal pronoun. And the rule for positive phrases is that whatever, like, because I said my brother, comma, Darren, comma, likes to go to the store. However, I could do it the, the other way. Like, I like to go to the store with Darren, my brother. But what, so the, the thing that I learned that I, I learned that I didn't learn in sixth grade was that when you have an appositive phrase and you use a pronoun in the appositive phrase, the, whether it is nominative or objective in case depends on whether or not the noun that is, it is appositivizing is in the subjective or, or is in the nominative or objective case. So that's just something that's kind of cool. Um, I can't really think of any examples off the top of my head because I don't think anybody actually uses a positive phrases that have pronouns in them object like in the objective case like nobody actually does that but if you did you would have to remember not to use the subjective uh, the, the 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 subject version of that the nominative case and you would need to use the objective case fun <coughs> um another fun thing is so a gerund is a function of the English language where it's like a, it'll be the like progress, the present progressive form of a verb, except it's used as a noun. So for instance, writing is one of my favorite things to do. Writing there is like the present uh, progressive form of write, like, like how you have write, wrote, wrote, writing. It's writing, but instead of it being used as a verb, it's used as a noun or writing like the, the, cohesive blob concept thing that is writing is my favorite. So writing there functions as, as a, as a noun. So, but where it comes in handy is whenever you have a, like people are commonly, people will commonly use a, like a pronoun before a gerund, but a gerund is a, it, it, it isn't a verb. It's an, it's, it's a noun. It's a pronoun. Sorry, it's 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 a noun. It's not a pronoun. So whenever you have the quote unquote pronoun before it, that would not be a possessive pronoun or even like the stock version of the pronoun, usually the, the, the nominative case. You would need the possessive adjective. So something like, I don't like uh, you writing that much or something. Um, or like, I don't like you. Like So the example there is like, it would be your, I don't like your writing of the constitution or prior. You wouldn't say prior to you leaving the state, I told you to eat the pineapples. You would say prior to your leaving the state because leaving there functions as a noun. So you can't have, it's not you leaving. Leaving is the gerund. It's a noun. So you need to describe it with an adjective. That's something that's commonly missed in the English language, but yeah, that's fun. So, um, Another, oh, and another fun example is pronoun placement in, like, like, with usage of conjunctions. So, growing up, you're like, me and my sister went to the store. 
and you're like, oh, that's wrong. It's my sister and I went to the store. Uh, and yeah, that, that's the rule. The rule is that if someone else is present, they go first, and that don't use the objective case where you should be using the nominative case. So, like, my sister and me went to the store. Wouldn't work. Neither would I and my sister. That one's like, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that one, but that's just like the rule is that you have yourself last. So my sister and I went to the store. Another fun thing that is basically the same thing is that whenever you have um, a conjunction combining two words, one is singular, one is plural, what happens is the verb ends up being plural. So it makes more sense to have the plural verb second than to have the plural verb first. So for instance, it would be the mouse and the rats were running amok as opposed to the rats and the mouse were running amok. Because whenever you end it with that singular going into the plural verb, sometimes it's a little bit jarring. So you want to like not do that. And then another, like th this, is, this is one of the most fun things, is that uh, I mentioned earlier the fact that the word, the second person pronoun doesn't have a distinction between the nominative and objective case. So there's actually fun things that you can do with that. So for instance, the one I like to mention the most is this sentence right here, which is objectively probably a true sentence. Um, and the sentence is this. The sentence is, God loves me more than you. And the first time you hear that, you're like, oh, that's not true. God loves all of us equally. But that's not the claim that the sentence was making. So in addition to you functioning in the objective case, you could also function in the, in the nominative case. That is to say, like, like so the reverse of that is wouldn't be God loves you more than me. It would be God loves you more than I, which, it, which would, there's an implied verb there. God loves you more than I do. So whenever you say God loves me uh, more, God loves me more than you, you're saying God loves me more than you love me, which is objectively true because like God's love is infinite and your love is, uh, even if you love me, your love for me is finite. But it's okay. We're, we're it just get to heaven where we're all going and we'll all be communion and love together. And it's it's a wonderful place. But yes, that's a, that's a funny quirk of the English language where because of the lack of the distinction between the second person nominative and the second person objective, you can say that sentence and it's like true and it means something. And yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. So yeah, I think that's all I had on pronouns. Uh, love me a good pronoun. Yeah, and like pronouns are pronouns are pretty cool. Well, I'll uh I'll talk to y'all later. Toodles.